Tonight's reading is taken from John 11, starting from verse 1 up to verse 44. It can be found on page 1077 in the Church Bible. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he said he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, A short while ago the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. Jesus comforts his sisters. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her majesty Mary, her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and ran out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead Jesus once more deeply moved 
came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, <coughs> Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So doctors seek to understand the human body and mind and preserve life, don't they? Ill health and death are universal for all people. And the events we've read tonight show us Jesus sharing in their disappointment, sharing in their grief, as Simon mentioned, and demonstrating his perfect knowledge and his power. So I'd just like to look at three things very briefly. The first one is Jesus meeting us in our grief. And I think it's true to say, I'm not sure if this one came out from what you were sharing just now, but we try to avoid pain. Don't we? Put your hand up if you actually go seeking pain. That's <laughs> It's kind of... <laughs> but we, we don't go out of our way to seek pain, do we? Because we feel pain and we want to avoid it. We want to preserve life, just like, you know, that's what doctors seek to do, is to preserve life. Yet we have the capacity to love and comfort and share in grief. And isn't that a gift of God? Because we try and avoid pain and we try and preserve life, yet the Lord knows in a fallen world there will be pain and there will be grief. And this story is full of it. And it's one of the deepest human experiences that God has given us, is standing with people who are grieving and are in pain, isn't it? And it's, it's something which is very deep within us, yet that sharing and that comfort and that compassion which Jesus showed is something which we can demonstrate to each other because Jesus meets us in our grief. And one thing which struck me, if you've got your Bibles open, um, and look at the part where um, where Jesus speaks to, to Martha at the beginning... And he says, it will not end in death. It's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified. And then we have this conversation about um, you know, being raised on the last day and all sorts of bit later in, in, in the chapter. But Jesus knew, knew what he was doing and knew that this wouldn't end in death. So he had that kind of perfect knowledge that in, in many ways it would all turn out fine, actually. Lazarus would be eating with him and others Later, yeah? And that's what happens if you read on through John 12. He's there. Real person, alive, having been dead. And Jesus knew that. So why was it, this is a question perhaps to ask yourself, why was it that Jesus was moved to tears 
when he met with Martha and Mary and the people that were mourning. That really struck me, that Jesus, who knew what he was going to do, still felt compassion and grief of his own. This was his friend who had died. And I'm sure there's, um, there are people that could describe you know, how, how that is, that the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus, there, experiencing this, could weep as a human being for the loss of a friend, knowing full well that he would raise him to life. And what it says to me in simple terms is that the Lord Jesus is with us in our grief. And he feels our grief, even though he knows the outcome. Whether it's the outcome we want, as Alan said, you know, death is the, is the worst thing that we think could happen to us. Whether it ends in death or whether it ends in healing, the Lord Jesus is with us in our grief. And I found that very encouraging, that as a man, alongside Martha and Mary, he was moved to tears. And Jesus wept, as it, as it says in, in the verses. So the Lord Jesus meets us in our grief. He didn't stay away from our sin and our decay. He didn't stay away from Lazarus. Dead, decaying. Was he decaying? That's another question which the Bible doesn't answer. Notice there's no talk about any smell after he's raised. I don't think he was decomposing. I don't think he was decaying. That's my reading of it. Because he came out, was unwrapped, and went on his way. Whereas if some of the stuff David described that happens after 6 hours, 12 hours, 24 hours and so on, that would have decayed. And it speaks of the Lord Jesus in, in other parts of the Bible saying he didn't suffer decay and the Lord was in the tomb for three days. This was four days. And for my limited knowledge, there would have been decay, humanly speaking. But there wasn't here, it, it seems to me. The Lord was with them in the grief and he didn't stay away from the smell and the stench And likewise with us, he doesn't stay away from the smell and the stench of our sin. He's with us. And in our grief and our suffering, he's with us. So if you're in that position tonight, and you are experiencing this deep human emotion of grief, know the Lord Jesus' love and compassion with you. Because I believe this encourages us, these verses, that he's with us in our grief. The next thing was what a couple of you said. Um, in fact, I think was it James spoke about um, his power. Jesus had complete knowledge and power. The, the psalm that um, we heard earlier, Psalm 139, says, Lord, you know me. You know when I speak. You know what's on my tongue before I even say it. When I rise in the morning, when I sleep at night, if I go as far this way or as far that way, You know me, you're with me. Perfect knowledge of us, which is frightening in some ways, isn't it? There's nothing hidden from the Lord. Light and dark, dark and light. I can't remember quite how Matt wrote it, but it's lovely, that bit. Light and dark, dark and light. I think that's a great way of illustrating that for the Lord, it says in the psalm as well, they're the same. Can't hide in the darkness. He has perfect knowledge. He has perfect knowledge of the human body, of the human mind, and of the soul. He has perfect knowledge of death. And we know after what we've read here, the Lord Jesus goes to Jerusalem. And this was a pivotal point in the plot to kill Jesus. It's stated explicitly that from this point on, 
after the miracle of raising Lazarus from the dead, they set their minds to kill him. And also, Lazarus, not long afterwards, because it was causing a commotion and it was seen as a threat rather than the the wonderful thing that it was. Perfect knowledge Jesus had. And he also had perfect knowledge and has perfect knowledge of the future. Your future, my future, the future of the world. This is our God, isn't it? Isn't he? Yes. He's the giver of eternal life. So he knows what's happening. He knows us, yet he gives eternal life to us. He has power over death. And I couldn't begin to try and explain what was going on with Lazarus and when Jesus called, Lazarus, come out. He wasn't speaking to a dead body. He was speaking to Lazarus, the soul of Lazarus, to return to the body. Because Lazarus had died and the body was left and it decays. We know that. Anyone that works in a hospital will know it. If you read some of the books I've been reading about being a junior doctor in a hospital, you begin by facing death, apparently, time and time again. And rather than the fear of, um, I've got to face this, and it's actually very difficult facing death so often, you perhaps become a bit immune because there is so much around you. Death is very real and very present. And the body of Lazarus died, sealed in a tomb. Yet Jesus calls out to the soul, he has perfect knowledge. And Lazarus returns to the body in some miraculous way. A body that hadn't decayed in the normal way. Got perfect knowledge. He's the son of God. Full of power with perfect knowledge. And one of the questions I asked you was, you know, how, what does this say about us? Well, I think we like to be in control, don't we? We like to be in control of our lives. And death is one thing we don't really have control over. But in the Lord Jesus, who has perfect knowledge and perfect power, that's where our trust should be. I thought it was interesting um, the way the people had to obey Jesus. In their grief, there was a call to obey. I don't know if you can work out what they had to do. They had to do something. And it was to move the stone. There was a bit of objection. Oh, not sure you want to do that. Because it will smell. Normally it would. But there was obedience there. Obedience to the word of Jesus. Hearing him responding. And sometimes in our grief, sometimes in our disappointment, sometimes in our fear of the future, we look to ourselves for our own wisdom, to plan our own things. And the encouragement here is to listen to the voice of Jesus. Seek it in his word. Pray with fellow Christians and obey what, what he says to us because they moved the stone and that opened the way for the Lord to call him out. I don't know whether you're aware of stones, like a picture, stones in your life which stop you moving on. It struck me as I was praying and preparing for tonight that we can have things that stop us moving and we like living like in a tomb. And if we're not a Christian, then that's kind of where we are. And it's the Lord who calls to our soul and says, come out, follow me. I'll give you life because I'm the giver of eternal life. I have perfect knowledge and all power. And the last point, 
This is easy to say, but hard to do. We must trust him in our disappointments. So the Lord Jesus meets us in our grief. He has complete knowledge and power. And we must trust him in our disappointments. His timing was perfect. Verse 6 of 11, it says, Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushed there. No. He stayed where he was two days. And much has been said of that. He stayed where he was. My understanding is that that was to glorify God, because that's what it goes on to say. How did it glorify God? Well, a demonstration of the Lord's power. A symbol and a figure, a picture, if you like, of what Jesus was going to do in being raised from death. Perfect timing. And in our lives, despite our disappointments and our tragedy and our griefs, the Lord has perfect timing. And we must trust him when we feel disappointed about things not happening as we wish, not being in our control. And sometimes it's more an attitude of mind than heart, isn't it, to decide, actually, I'm going to trust the Lord, even though I'm feeling this pain. I'm going to trust him. I think it was tremendous um, that Mary, in verse 32, Martha, in a couple of verses before then, the people generally, in verse 39, they all had confidence in Jesus. If you notice that, if you were here, if you were here, you could have, you could have prevented this. They had confidence in Jesus and we too can have confidence in him, can't we? Confidence in the Lord Jesus. Not in a way that says, oh, if only you were here, it would have all turned out better. No, confidence that he has perfect timing. And in our disappointments, we must trust him. How can we do that? Well, through prayer. Jesus here says a prayer, doesn't he, just before he calls Lazarus out. And he says, this is for the benefit of the people around here, so that they will see. And he speaks, like in the past tense, Lord, you've already heard me. It's already done. I know what's going to happen, and I thank you for that, Lord, but I'm saying it so that people know that it's you. You're the Lord. You're the God who they should worship. You're the all-powerful one. And Jesus is the perfect intercessor. He's the one that prays on our behalf in heaven. It's probably available in the church library, but I remember Alan preached about Jesus, the man in heaven. We have a man in heaven. If you've never thought of that, you've just thought of Jesus, God in heaven, think of the man in heaven, Jesus the man who intercedes, understands our weaknesses, prays on our behalf to the Father. It's a good one to listen to. He's the perfect intercessor who prays for us. That's why we can trust him. Because the Father always hears him and grants what the Lord Jesus asks. So disappointment does happen. If it hasn't happened to you yet in in your young life or your old life, um, I'll be surprised um, whether you lose a football match, whether you don't get something you thought you were going to get or whether a relationship doesn't turn out the way you wanted it to. It will happen. And it can look hopeless. And you might be saying, if only, if only. Well, take some comfort from these words here that the Lord Jesus shared in their grief. He was there with them in it. Yet he also knew what was happening beyond. And they could put their trust in him. And he's given us the gift of being able to trust. We have the capacity to trust 
And just to close, it's interesting to me that not everyone believed. I was staggered by that. Because you would have thought, if the Son of God was here tonight and he was performing miracles as a, as a man, as he was here, my instinct would say everyone that saw that or heard it would believe. I don't know if that's what you would think. But my instinct says, surely. Yet it's extraordinary. Witnessing the miracles, even the raising of someone from the dead, and some still didn't believe. And in fact, the opposite happened. Some accused him of of blasphemy, saying that he was God. They sought to kill him after this. It's extraordinary. And in Jesus' prayer, again, it was clever, I don't know if that's the right word, but so full of knowledge and insightful. In his prayer, he says, Father, I'm talking to you, just in case anyone's doubting where my power comes from. I am the Son of God, and the Father will glorify himself, and he'll glorify the Son through this. He attributed his miracles to God. Yet still, some didn't believe. And that's true when the Lord Jesus calls us today, like he called to Lazarus' soul. And he calls to us, some won't believe. But others will, and I encourage you to believe in the Son of God. The last point, I thought that one was the last one, I've just realised I had another one. (laughs) This is a a great one to end on. Learn from Jesus' example in prayer. He was thankful, he had confidence in the Father, and he looked beyond the grave. Think of that. He looked beyond the tomb, he looked beyond what was visible, because he knew it. And he prayed to the Father. And I think sometimes we can, when we're looking at something in front of us that's scary, disappointing, makes us grieve, saddens us, look beyond the grave, look beyond the grave to the one who's been through death and is now a man in heaven who intercedes for us.